Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, so do enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Com. Starting things out here tonight, Becky Akers. Always, she's always just Johnny on the spot when it comes to the latest on those crazy cats over the TSA. Yeah, she she's after the TSA hard. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad somebody's paying attention because that she way does, we can read something on the air. Yeah, she does a really good job of uh, of keeping an eye on these guys. The Transportation Security Administration. You know them. They are the guys that are at the airports here in America. If you're if you've never been to uh, to an airport in the last six or seven years, consider yourself uh, I guess it's been about six years now. Consider yourself lucky. You haven't had to take your shoes off or your belt off or your laptop out of your case and be barked at, have orders barked at you uh, by these goons. And it's all as we pointed out several times, security theater. Uh, the statistics bear it out. The fact is that these guys can't. They just can't catch everything that goes through. In fact, they can't even catch the majority of things that go through. When they're tested by their own organization, by the Red Team or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's called the Red Team. Um, as a matter of fact, it, uh, there's a recent article that we got uh, that said in Denver they actually missed 90% of the guns, knives, and bombs the Red Team tested. That's that's a yeah. TSA organization. They tested themselves on. Usually, They don't give that information out. It has to be sort of leaked. But, uh, you know, that's what happens. They usually fluctuate, so, you know, 70 to 90 percent. Yeah, they'll ca- sometimes they might even catch half just to keep their numbers up. But that means that if you want to get a bomb, if you're a terrorist organization and you want to get a bomb on a plane, now, I don't understand what putting a bomb on a plane is going to do as far as terrorizing America. You're never, ever going to fly um, airplanes into buildings in America again. Sure. The passengers simply won't allow it. But if you want, want to get a bomb on a plane, well... All you have to do is send two terrorists. As long as, well, yes, send two terrorists and don't bring any blocks of cheese, as you'll find out here in a moment. They're pretty good at catching blocks of cheese. Oh, yeah, the, the baby bottles. Did you hear about the cheese thing? No. Nope. Okay, yeah, because I hadn't either until I read this uh, from Becky Akers at LouRockwell.com. The bureaucrats who expect us to believe that lipstick and Listerine become weapons of mass destruction once we carry them aboard airplanes want us to accept the same baloney regarding cheese. That's right, cheese. The magnificent marriage of milk and mold, that creamy ambrosia, brimming with fat and flavor, is the newest threat to American aviation. There is nothing that tastes quite as good as cheese. I do love cheese. Uh, According to the Transportation Security Administration, every time we think our rulers can't get any sillier, they go the extra mile and prove us wrong. Now, um, when I was in Las Vegas, we... uh we went to lots of fancy restaurants sure. uh, on uh, SACL CAI, my, my friend Jason and mm-hmm. his, uh, his uh, dad, Mike. Um, and, and Mike's a bit of a connoisseur. And a cheese likes, connoisseur? It, well, everything connoisseur. <laughs> he seems to like it all. He likes his wine. He likes his cheese. He likes the whole deal. Um, he even uh, uh, partook in some extraordinarily expensive vodka while we were there, uh, $750 a bottle. Goodness. Anyway, on with the cheese. Mike got a big plate of tasting-type cheese things for us to try, and mm-hmm. I tried them all, and some were very good. I, I, I'll definitely say so. Some were just potent, and some didn't taste good at all. Got it. But, you know, it, it just shows how poor my breeding is when I just really like cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Munster cheese. I like that a lot. I, I'm not sure, but uh, I know I like cheddar. I know I like, I like Colby. 
What kind of cheddar, though? Is it uh, the hard cheddar, the sharp cheddar? I, I guess found that extra I extra like, sharp, sharp. I found like mild. my uh, uh, my my cheddar sharp, and then uh, sort of not quite as not quite crumbly. I don't like it crumbly. I like the sharp cheddar myself. Uh, dairy first turned scary apparently on July 20th when the TSA published its internal newsletter, Transportation Intelligence Gazette, or the TIG. I bet this thing's just full of facts and figures, like everything Made else. Made up ones. About the agency, this rag is suspect in all details. First, there's its circulation. The TSA claims it goes to, quote, our 43,000 officers, those simian savages pawing you, at your ba- uh, pawing you and your bags at airports, federal air marshals, and local law enforcement partners. Who knew these goons were literate? says Becky. Then there's its editorial. Let's just say it'll never win awards for accuracy. This particular issue devoted three pages to, quote, a surge in recent suspicious incidents at U.S. airports. The surge turned out to be four. Count them, four such incidents nationwide over the last 11 months. So that's what they're defining as a surge in incidents, four of them in 11 months. Okay. Even more absurdly. And, and, and what incidents are these exactly? You'll find out. Okay. The TIG dignified this handful as an increase in number that has raised concern. Apparently they forgot the D on the, uh, the word raised. Here they are. On the 5th of July, 2007, San Diego, California, a U.S. person, which they refer to as a USPER, all in caps, checked baggage containing two ice packs covered in duct tape. The ice packs had clay inside them rather than the normal blue gel. 4th of June, 2007, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The carry-on baggage of a U.S. PER contained several items resembling IED components, such as a wire coil wrapped around a possible initiator, an electrical switch, batteries, three tubes, and two blocks of cheese. Whoa, says Becky. Folks packing cheese in the dairy capital of the nation. Talk about menacing. 8th of November, 2006, Houston, Texas. A U.S. person's checked baggage contained a plastic bag with a 9-volt battery, wires, a block of brown clay-like minerals, and pipes. Wires? What are they doing with this? I don't know. I just don't know what. It's amazing what you find in people's luggage. You know, you're just going to find underpants in mine. Becky says, "Uh uh-oh, wires, good thing screeners in Long Beach, California, were on their unconstitutional toes when they detected wires in a checked bag on Thursday. The airport was evacuated. Cops, firefighters... Because of a 9-volt battery and some wires? And a bomb squad swarmed. Flights were delayed for an hour and a half. The suspicious wires belonged to a video game. TSA spokesgal Jennifer Pepin chirped, It certainly was nothing, but it certainly looked like something. Are we talking about the wires or the TSA? <laughs> and finally, the fourth incident. That really sums up the TSA. You know, it they looks look like, like they're it doing looks something. like something, but it's not. It's, yeah. it's not security. It's security theater. I think and it costs the best a lot. Term. Oh, yeah. A, a load. Whole bunch. Billions of dollars. Sure. I mean, you can't have all those people standing around doing nothing for free. Finally, 16th of September, 2006, in Baltimore, Maryland, the checked baggage of a couple contained a plastic bag with a block of processed cheese taped to another bag holding a cellular phone charger. Here we go with cheese again, says Becky, and the tape, which you might think the TSA would favor rather than fear, after all its parent bureaucracy, the Department of Homeland Security, is so fond of duct tape, its director once implied we could win the war on terror if only we stockpiled enough of it. Why? Oh, remember they were telling you to uh, like duct tape your oh, house yeah. up with a bunch of uh, plastic or something like that? Yeah. Keep yourself safe from dirty bombs or whatever. 
She says, I see nothing here but five Americans who pack as idiosyncratically as the rest of us. One man's towed along treasure is another man's trash. And that's why I'll never work for the TSA. Among the Velveeta and old patched-up electronics, those crackerjacks discerned terrorists conducting pre-attacked security probes and dry runs similar to dress rehearsals. As further proof, the TIG listed examples of prior terrorism, alleging that dry runs accompanied each. Well... The usual lickspittles rushed to corroborate this paranoia. Michael Greenberger, director for the Center for Health and Homeland Security at the University of Maryland, yes, a place supposedly devoted to scholarship, actually squanders space and money on such tomfoolery. He fretted, quote, I don't know why you would connect a cell phone charger to a piece of cheese. The facts as described can lead to no but other... They con- did, hold on, they didn't connect them. Two bags were taped together, isn't that correct? That's how that's how you described it. That was there were two different bags and they were taped together. To me, look, I just came up with a scenario on my own here. Is what if they were out boating? If you get um, things wet, I often put things in plastic bags when I go boating because I don't want my cell phone to not work again. Who knows? So let's say they uh, put the cell phone charger in there to keep it from getting damaged. Then they thought, "Ooh, we'll have a little lunch." What would they brought some cheese? So they decided. To keep them from floating apart, we'll stick them together. It's an idea. What would be really nice is if we could actually get some comments from the individuals who were under um, suspect here and sure. get their explanations for what was going on. But well, if you've had any strange uh, scenarios with the TSA, tell us what they thought and tell us what you thought, and it'd be interesting to see sure. what the differences are. 800-259-9231. But there is uh, more to this story. In fact, we'll meet one of these customers. We do have one, at least one of their details. Uh, Sarah Weiss, who's a 66-year-old mother, she was the one with the ice packs. We'll talk about her case and the details in that. Take your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Single CAI toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. Denmark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki, over 1,375 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go and get them for free, at, or go and get interactive there for free, rather, at uh, wiki.freetalklive.com, W-I-K-I dot freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We're talking about the TSA and the latest surge, as they called it, the latest surge in incidents, suspicious incidents. The surge, according to Becky Akers at LewRockwell.com, is actually four incidents. And those four incidents weren't in a week's time, but in... 11 months' time. So, I don't know if I would agree that that's necessarily a surge, but apparently it's Doesn't up. seem like a surge to me. And uh, the four incidents involved things like batteries, blocks of cheese, ice packs that allegedly had clay inside them. We'll find out more about those ice packs here in a moment. But what's interesting is who was speaking up to come to the TSA's defense in this particular case. Uh, one guy from the Center of Health and Homeland Security at the University of Maryland said that the facts, as described, can lead to no other conclusion that these are dry runs. Becky Anchor says, yo, Mikey, get a clue. The TSA's facts as described are seldom the facts as they actually happen. Remember, this is a government agency you're dealing with here. Yo, you think they're going to be honest with you about all the things that go on? They're going to embellish. They're going to make things sound bigger than they actually are. 
Gullibility also gushed from CNN's American Morning, which swallowed the TSA's fishy tail hook, line, and sinker, as most media agencies do. Oh, well, yeah, they, they don't. <laughs> you know, they might uh, do a little investigative reporting when it comes to the rest of us. Right. But when the government releases some kind of press release, they just read that thing verbatim. Right. No que- They never question the state and, the, and whatever they have to say. Anyway, CNN's American Morning wasted its audience time with critical new questions about whether terrorists could be turning to ice packs, batteries, and blocks of cheese to test security for a future attack. Then it gave one of Leviathan's stooges another chance to strut his asininity. CNN anchor says, Joining me now is Clark Kent Irvin. He's the former Inspector General at the Department of Homeland Security, and he's also the author of Open Target, Where America is Vulnerable to Attack. So, Clark, should this latest advisory by the TSA be troubling us? Uh, yes, John, I think so. This is really out of the ordinary. The passengers, many of them, meaning five of them, uh, didn't have convincing explanations. The fact that there have been so many incidents, remember he's talking about four incidents now. In 11 months. Right. The advisory refers to it as a surge and the fact that Al-Qaeda has this pattern of testing, doing dry runs, dress rehearsals before attacks, all adds up to a very troubling picture. There is cause for concern. No question about that. So are they really saying... You know, pardon me if I don't quite get this, uh, but are they really saying that because there's been four incidents over 11 months that somehow cheese is suspect? That's right. People bringing blocks of cheese and ice packs and wires uh, are apparently testing the TSA to see if they can sneak bombs through. That's the allegation. That's crazy. Let's meet one of the terrorists fraying Superman's nerves. Sarah Weiss. So this is one of the four four people in, in 11 months that uh, attempted to bring a block of cheese on. One of the alleged dry run people. She's a 66-year-old mother from Long Island. She flew to San Diego earlier this summer carrying ice packs. Why? Well, she has a bad bi- uh, bad back. Makes sense. Sarah is a... Th- ice packs make, uh, you know, they, they relieve inflammation. It's good for you. Now, she's a thrifty soul who uses it up, wears it out, and makes do. Her old, leaky ice packs had lots of holes and lots of clear, not duct tape, as the TSA claimed it was, clear tape Packing covering tape. those holes. Correct. The packs were in her carry-on for her trip west, leading the TSA's thugs in New York to harass her. So the the packs could have contained something besides whatever that goop is inside ice packs. That's the allegation. Americans no longer admire thrift. They confuse it with being cheap. I imagine Sarah was embarrassed at having to justify her frugality to government bullies before a line of peering passengers. Hoping to avoid further hassles, she entrusted the ice packs to her checked luggage for the flight home. Big mistake. As she told ABC News, quote, I was showing my boarding pass to the ticket agent, ready to walk down the hall into the plane, when she said, Oh, are you Sarah Weiss? And I said, Yeah. And suddenly, policemen appeared out of nowhere. They detained Sarah, as they have thousands of other innocent people, interrogating her for three hours. Three hours over a, uh, a, a patched-up ice pack. Now, hold on just a second. Uh-huh. Um, rather than interrogating her... Why don't they do what they do with everybody who has a liquid that's unauthorized that they're bringing on? An opened liquid. Make them throw it away? Just make her throw it away and let her go. But they thought she could have been part of an Al-Qaeda plot. She was testing their security, Mark. That's what they thought. But hold on. Um, They have her name. They, They took her ID. They have all the information they need on what is what sounds like a little old lady. Here, they had some important questions to ask Miss Evans. Just you wait. Bunch of crap. So they inter- interrogated her for three hours in the bowels of the San Diego airport, as she describes it. 
uh, Sarah continued, quote, The first thing the cop said after introducing himself was, Do you know Osama bin Laden? And I thought, what? At first I thought it was a ridiculous statement, and then I started to realize, he's serious. I better answer. So I said, I wish I knew where he was, because I'd love to have that multi-million dollar bounty on his head. Her quip didn't keep the officials from calling in a hazmat team to test her beleaguered ice packs before releasing her. Can you believe that? Mm. That's how insane these people are. Hazmat. They are asking cost a us all. 66-year-old mother who's got ice packs in her carry or, uh, she at that point at that point she'd stowed it in her uh, stowaway bag. They're asking her if she knows Osama bin Laden. It's nuts. I mean, why would it? Why would an ice pack make it so that you know Osama bin Laden? Or, or as though any real terrorist is, operative would sit there, there and po- say, "You got me." <laughs> yeah, of course, I know him. I'm is there any possibility him. that these people just are trying to justify their jobs? They're grasping at straws to justify their jobs. That they're interviewing. Is this how old is this woman? Sixty-six. Sixty-six. Mm-hmm. A sixty-six-year-old woman for having a taped-up, uh, not even an ice pack, cold pack. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's, it's ludicrous. It's crazy. Even the TSA should have realized by now that an older lady with a bad back posed no threat to anyone. But the agency files incident reports. Did they, did they consider this to be, because um, the, the one guy earlier had said that uh, he, he, they had crappy explanations for why they had this stuff. Did they consider an old woman with a bad back having ice packs a bad explanation? They filed a report. They filed an incident report so poor Sarah wasn't allowed to fade back into obscurity, as all the rest of us are who have to throw away our liquids and that sort of thing. Instead, her ice packs found their way into the TSA's Goofy Gazette, their internal uh, publication. They don't call it the Goofy Gazette, do they? And no, that's that's her adjective. Uh, Exaggerated and falsified as an example of the perils endangering American aviation. Quote, TSA Administrator Kip Hawley said that the document was meant to get screeners to be more open-minded about potential threats. He wants them to look for materials that aren't banned but could be dangerous. Careful, careful there, Kip. They might start looking for you. Incredibly, the TSA's own security director at San Diego's airport refuted the official version of Sarah's story. A cop there also dismissed the TIG's account as a little bit off. The ice packs contained the standard blue gel, not clay, as the TSA had claimed in clay? their report. I guess they could have claimed that it would look like C4 or some sort of uh, you know high explosive uh-huh. or something like that. But it wasn't clay. It wasn't even close. They the embellished group. it. They lied. They're scum. 800-259-9231. A little bit more on this story, and we'll talk to Scott and your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a TSA health story for us? George Phillies is the right candidate for president, a serious, well-educated candidate who stands for the basic principles of liberty and the basic principles of this nation. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, libertarian for president. I approved of this message. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates. And whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, we will clue you in via the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. I sent one out today, as a matter of fact. It being the first day of the month, it's time for uh, voting. Because every new month, the voting totals are reset over at podcastalley.com, and we need you to go and vote for us at vote.freetalklive.com. However, that's something we do on a monthly basis. This month is also extra special. Oh, no, this isn't uh, time for the Podcast of the Year Awards, is it? Uh, it is Podcast Awards time, and wow. in fact, we're actually a couple days late 
on uh, getting started with this. That's because news. with podcast awards, you can vote every single day. You can vote once per day for the entire voting period, which only lasts through August 11th. So less than two weeks from now, the voting window will be over. What you need to do is go to podcastawards.com. Scroll down the page. We're a little ways down in the political category, and there's several people in the running this year. Usually there's only four or five. Now they've got like eight or nine. And so we definitely need you to go and vote at least once, if not once a day, at podcastawards.com. We have won the award three, excuse me, two times in a, in a row. The two let's times it three, it's been yes. available. Uh, yeah, let's make it three. I, so. You know, I, I, as the uh, guy who does the sales for um, Free Talk Live, I've got to say, it's really, really valuable, and I would hate to have to stop saying that we're the most popular political podcast on the Internet, that That's we're correct. the number one political podcast on the Internet. It's so helpful when I'm talking to advertisers um, you know, to be able to say this. So if you're, I don't know, not uh, contributing to AMP because you, you don't feel like you can afford it or whatever, this is something you can do. Um, do it every day this month. Go and vote um, at podcast alley, podcastawards.com. Right, and it's not even the whole month. It's 11 days. So from now through August 11th, you can vote daily at podcastawards.com for free talk live in the political category. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. So then, uh, just wrapping up a few thoughts from Becky Akers at LewRockwell.com, bringing us the latest bit of insanity from the TSA in the uh, country's airports. The TSA is claiming there's been a surge of incidents, uh, which really actually only means four in 11 months. But that's what they're calling a surge, and they only really involve people bringing cheese and ice packs on planes with them. Apparently those are considered possible terrorist incidents. They took one lady aside who was a 66-year-old mother and interrogated her for three hours uh, about her ice packs, asking her questions like, do you know Osama bin Laden? And at first she thought they were kidding, because who would really ask a 66-year-old woman a question like that? Who would ask a terrorist a question like that? Right. Even the TSA should have realized by now that the older lady with a bad back didn't pose a threat to anybody. But what's incredible is that the TSA's own security director at that airport refuted the official version of the TSA story. So the TSA published one version of the story claiming the woman had ice packs that were instead filled with clay. Turns out that's not the case. In fact, even a local police officer also disagrees with the TSA. The ice packs had the usual blue uh, gel in them, not clay. So the TSA just makes stuff up. Anyway, it routinely makes a fool of itself, but what's more amazing is who has stood up and defended the TSA. In fact, new experts have now flocked to praise the agency so lavishly that they posted their remarks on the TSA website Quote, this is what the TSA should be doing, whether it turns out to be a whole bunch of harmless coincidences or part of a plot, said James Carafano, a security expert at the Conservative Heritage Foundation, who in the past has called for the TSA's abolition. Apparently, now he's calling for the Constitution's abolition. That's strange. Why would he switch his gears like that? Somebody that's get an, to him? That's an excellent question. He's not the only one. Another wing-ding, this one a Rand Corp terrorism expert, said, quote, The TSA did their job. The police did their job. No sweat. Unquote. Note that the police's job now includes interrogating elderly women after rifling their belongings without a warrant. Then there was Bruce Schneier. I think that's how you pronounce it. We've actually read an article from Bruce Schneier on this show in the past. He is a uh, he's made a profession out of studying security. Bruce Schneier is one of the people who coined the term security theater, as I understand it. Hmm. 
he often defends freedom because it's more efficient at protecting folks than, the- uh, than tyranny is. His lauding the TSA, then, was all the more disheartening. Here's what he had to say. Quote, Honestly, the four incidents described with photos sure sound suspicious to me. Honestly, if someone has a block of cheese with wires and a detonator, I want the FBI to be called in. Unquote. Come on, that's got to be a joke. Honestly, Bruce, cheese is edible, not explosive. But this is what comes from arguing liberty on practical rather than principled grounds. See, Bruce Schneier isn't a principled libertarian. He's just a security expert who's determined that all of this security is a little bit too much. So the idea um, that that they're positing here is that the cheese could be C4 and it's just cleverly disguised as Gouda? Something like that, yes. And uh, finally, um, Becky says, and through it all, we still don't know what variety of cheese so galvanized the TSA. The agency described it as a block. But would that be cheddar, blue, or parmesan? I'm betting Swiss, since that's what passes for brains among the blockheads at the TSA. If you've got an airport health story, share it with us. Otherwise, we're going to the phones and taking calls about whatever you want. It's Scott in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live, Scott. Hi, this is Scott from Bethlehem, Georgia. How are you doing tonight? Great. Scott, what's on your mind? Well, I have an interesting TSA-related story, but first I wanted to say, go Ron Paul, go. I'm with you. He's going. He certainly is. He's doing great. Let me tell you about what happened here. There's an article that appeared today in the Walton County Tribune, a bizarre story. Uh, This is, you know, you can look it up online and probably get a lot more details than I can remember, but here's what happened. There was a guy hunting through a dumpster around here, he was looking for uh, box tops for, uh, you know, for some school school thing. The school gives some money for box tops, mm-hmm. and he found a briefcase that belonged to an air marshal. And uh, he took it to the police, called the FBI. The FBI said, "Take it to the police station." So he took the briefcase. He went to his house on the way to the sheriff's office, and he drank a coke, and he got his hand wet. And when he picked up the briefcase again. He got a burn on his hand uh, that was severe enough he had to go to the hospital. Whoa. And uh, all it said in the article was that this briefcase belonged to an air marshal and that they opened it up and there was some book and a cigar in it. And, you know, beyond that, I really couldn't tell you too much except, you know, to refer you to the Walden County Tribune, which I believe is available online. How did he burn his hand? Was there some sort of chemical that reacted? Oh. Apparently so. That's the theory is when he got his hand wet on the Coke can, he grabbed the handle and that, you know, activated something, you know, that got on there. He was digging through. I don't believe his story. I mean, you have to be a bum to dig through a dumpster. No, no, it's plausible. There's schools that uh, give points and rewards and whatever for box tops. You know, if you've got nothing better to do, this, this this is not crazy talk. I guess. It's a, that's a really dedicated father, though. Like, well, if that's you know, what he's I mean, trying to get his son some extra box tops for the school, he's digging through a dumpster. You mean, I don't know. You know, it's not, it's, um, not books. It's usually uh, volleyballs and basketballs, that kind of thing. But um, now, my question is, I don't know a lot about uh, chemistry or anything like that, but is it, could it be um, something that was just thrown away, hydrochloric acid or uh, you know, a battery or something like that that got on the handle? That's, that's what I think the sheriff's department is saying, is they think it was just something from the dumpster, and then when he got his hand wet, that activated what he got on his hand from digging through the dumpster. Certainly an unusual story. Scott, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Let's go to Finn in Mississippi. You're on Free Talk Live, Finn. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Great. Good, What's sir. on your mind? First of all, before I have a few things I want to talk to you all about, but I just want to tell you all that uh, I'm a kind of a new listener. I, I kind of discovered your podcast in the last month. I think uh, it's great. I welcome. think you all have a great dynamic, and you all are, I don't know, it's, it's refreshing to 
for like a new kind of libertarian leaning person like myself. So thank great you. job. So thank you very much, Finn. How often do we shock the crap out of you? Well, you know, it is Ian. You, Ian's the one who shocks the crap out of me more often than not. Uh, right, right. <laughs> I have to admit, you have a good dynamic. Ian has a little bit more out there views, and Mark kind of reins it in, a little bit more practical, but it's good to hear both. You've got to be challenged. Yes, because you know? it's practical to use violence on people. <laughs> well, that's I wouldn't the, say that. But. That's the way he sees it. <laughs> that's the way it is, Mark. Don't BS, you, don't BS with me. Go ahead, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I, I'm sorry to digress. I'm a podcast listener, so I'm a few days behind the curve, but... Something that uh, you guys used kind of an analogy. Someone called in, a lot of people call in, bemoan the, you know, the lack of, of, of government in a free market and how things would get regulated, especially our food and stuff like that. And okay. From my understanding, I always thought that the FDA only inspects a very, very small amount of food anyway. But let's get into that. Hang on. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. There's the FDA, then there's the USDA, and I don't think they really do much inspection, but we'll explore. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features on the site, we do give them away, that we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. 41 categories to shop in, lots of stuff to choose from, uh, great prices, great free super, uh, super saver shipping deals on a lot of their items. It's usually you'll order over 25 bucks. If it's a qualified item, they'll ship it to you free. So get all the details on that at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com because when you shop through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. In fact, somebody posted on the Amazon thread at our bulletin board system today that he bought an entire box set of DVDs, which inevitably box sets aren't very cheap, uh, but he did say it was the best price he could find on the entire internet, even better than eBay, which was pretty hard to believe, but that's what he said, so mm. I believe him. So it's like one of those uh, seri- uh, TV... Um... Yeah, one of those things, TV series. Deals. I see. Right, so Amazon.freetalklive.com, great way to get the stuff you need and help the show. Let's continue with the calls. Let's go back to uh, Finn in Mississippi. Now, Finn, you were just getting into a point about the uh, the FDA and testing or the FDA and, and food processing facilities. Go ahead and uh, expound on that, if you would. Well, you guys used an analogy last week, and I thought it was brilliant, and I thought it was a perfect example, and I, and I wanted to call and tell you that I thought it was great, and you should use it in the future, and it was the Underwriters Laboratory. Yes. Oh, that's, um, yeah, that's a great <laughs> It is a great one. It seems like, you know, the, the FDA, the USDA, whoever, you know, inspects our food, probably not that much of it anyway, from what I understand. Well, it's government funded. They don't have any, they're not incentivized to make any profit. So, you know, I was, I was actually putting together a lamp today and I saw that UL sticker and I, and I reminded me of that analogy because if you had a company that could get into it and make profit, you know, obviously, like you guys have said a hundred times, they'd be incentivized to do a great job. Mm-hmm. And then since they're making profit, they could expand to any market where their product their service was wanted, and maybe they could inspect, you know, up to 50% of our food instead of four, you know, or some... You know, that know UL logo, really now that I know what it is, I notice it in all kinds of places. I was at the gas pump the other day, and at the bottom of the pump, there was the UL logo, and I thought, oh my gosh, they don't just do toasters. I mean, they're yeah, all they over do the everything. place. You can't get away from it. You right. know, um, I, Ian and I uh, knew a guy... We worked with at a radio station in Sarasota, Florida. His name was Scott the Burnout, and he was a government <laughs> inspector. Now, I believe he was a state... Citrus inspector. St- yeah, state government inspector, and he inspected citrus trees for canker and uh, Whatever. The, the, the fruit Bugs, flies and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So he'd hang little fl- fruit fly traps on some uh, trees. But largely what he did was drive around, smoke pot, and listen to uh, hard rock music because... <laughs> 
you know, they, they really wasn't any kind of check or balance on how many trees he inspected. Right. And all that they did was look at the mileage on his vehicle to tell that he'd been out working. And if he, if he uh, were to report that, hey, there's just not enough trees for me to inspect, hmm, maybe they'd fire him. You know? Yeah. It's just Sounds amazing. like a pretty sweet deal. I mean, if any time you look into government inspection services, whether it be the FDA, when you're dealing with the FDA, you've got uh, essentially the FDA acts as a protection agency for established medical providers, uh, established pharmaceutical companies. It prevents other people from getting into the business. Then you've got uh, you've got the the health department in your local town, which. Everybody thinks that if it weren't for the health department, then their local favorite restaurant would be poisoning them. Why it is that people think that way, I don't really understand, considering you wouldn't really want to poison your customers. Right. It doesn't take too many times. Um, you know, The health department doesn't prevent food poisoning because no. people get food poisoning all the time at restaurants. It happens every day here in America. I mean – why don't we fire the health my department? Favorite, my favorite and health department. People just don't go back to places that they got right. sick from eating at. My favorite health Wake department up. story has to be the one out of New York City where it was the next day after the health department had been in there inspecting, which, by the way, in any given city, go into a restaurant or talk to a restaurateur you know and ask him how often he's inspected by the health department. If he's not being politically targeted for retaliation in some way, he'll only be inspected maybe once, maybe twice a year. So this uh, city this I think it was a Subway slash KFC or something like that in New York City. They had gone in, the health inspector had gone in, and then the next day a TV station caught footage of of rats running all over the floor during the night when the place was closed. It was just incredible. I mean, the, the government's just useless for these things. Ben? Hey, um, one more thing I'd like to talk to you guys sure. about. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, in Shreveport, Louisiana, you probably are up on this, there is a, a lawyer who uh, was kind of challenged by his friend with the with this with the assumption that the that the income tax was kind of a sham. You know, mm-hmm. it was a scam, it was it was completely bogus. And he investigated it for two years and came up came to the conclusion that guess what? It is a scam. And uh and he filed he refused to file his tax returns after that and he ended up having a case, you know, the IRS started harassing yes, him and he and ended he up won. winning a jury trial. Yep. Yeah, that's so right. I, I I think that's great. Maybe that could uh <laughs> Maybe that becomes a trend, and I'm sure you guys have kept up with that, but well, that, would, I, that would be great I, if that did, would become a trend. I did keep up on it, and we read it on the air, actually. And then um, I got a little more investigation. Uh, you know, guy I would consider sort of my libertarian mentor, uh, Bill Westmiller, the uh, president of the Le- Republican Liberty Caucus. He wrote an article on it, and essentially what happened when you uh, go through and read the entire case is that the guy claimed to not have known that he was, um, you know, that it was a fraudulently filed uh, report, and it turns out that he could prove that he didn't know that it was a fraudulently um, filed uh, report or that he didn't file or whatever. So I guess it was sort of like a miscommunication between he and his secretary. It wasn't really a, a landmark case to destroy the IRS, unfortunately. Well, that's uh, well. Yes. Either way, <laughs> either way, the point's still valid. What the, what uh, what Finn's talking about here, and, and that is that it can't be legitimate because there's a prohibition against slavery in this country, and the whole thing is essentially a big scam on the American people. Because if you are, if it's prohibited that you be a slave in America, then you must somehow be volunteering in to this whole income tax deal in the first place. I and would totally agree with you, right. but the courts have not, because at this not. point the courts have not sabotaged their own internal revenue service. Right, because the whole, they're all oh. working together on the scam. Of course they are. Right. We we actually, my family got in a situation a few years back. We got out of it, but we got a, a tax lien slapped on us. And I, I, I can remember the one my mom getting really upset one time because they were 
going over, you know, they, they dig into your life and go over all your assets. And, yeah, it's uh, awful. She looked at him and talked about the college accounts, and the, and the IRS lady she was talking to flat out told her, well, your children don't need to go to college. You know, it was, it was just this really, really painful, intrusive experience, and it's still, even though it's satisfied and should be off, it's still on some of the credit reports, and we get hassled about it sometimes. Mm, so it's sure. a pain in the ass, and I hate the IRS. Yeah, Very well, good, Finn. Thank you for the call. Anybody who's it. ever dealt with the IRS just loathes them. Have you ever, ever seen a... Um, television movie or read a book where an IRS agent is the hero, <laughs> look, they are universally loathed. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's the kind of person, that, the one, the story that he was just telling about his mother, that's the kind of person that, that goes to work for the IRS. Not every time. I'm sure that there's some p- normal folks in there that just want to have a job. But, you know, the kind of person that likes to look you in the eye and say, yeah, screw you. I don't care what happens in your life. Your money belongs to the government. I'm going to take it away just because I can. That kind of jerk... That kind of loathsome individual is the kind of person that wants to go be an auditor for the IRS. The IRS deserves to be opposed at every turn, and the more people that and that actually find the courage to stand up against them, to keep the money that they earn, uh, to not allow it to be confiscated in the first place, to not come begging begging for it on a yearly basis, the more people that can find that courage, the better off we'll all be, especially if they all come to uh, New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project so they can back each other up if they happen to get into trouble. Uh, I also like the idea, the uh, the insurance concept where there's like a, a an insurance pool that people who aren't paying taxes pay into in that they are actually targeted by the IRS they can sort of collect on the insurance to negate some of the damages i like that idea too i like the uh, it's is it we the people.org or is it give, give me liberty.org um, they're the, follow, the, the ones with the lawsuit right the, the we the people organization at give me liberty.org they have filed a lawsuit that says basically, um, you know, they've they've redressed some grievances with the government having to do with uh, 9/11. Um, the government should ans- answer some questions having to do with that, having to do with the uh, Iraq War, having to do with uh, I don't know a couple other points that they want some questions answered from the government, and they're not going to pay their taxes until they get those questions answered. And to me, and they aren't answering them. Right, uh, the, the government has no intention they've of answering your questions. Opportunities. Look, citizen, we are your government, and you will do as we say. That's how they feel. They mm-hmm. could care less. That's right. So I like the idea of uh, filing the lawsuit, and until the government um, redresses those grievances, at least answers the questions, which they have no intention of doing, it doesn't seem unreasonable. then you withhold your taxes. Right. That doesn't seem like an unreasonable request. Right. I, I like it. It gives legitimacy to the whole idea. Even my wife, that makes some sense to her. Let's go to Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live, Paula. Hello. Paula. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Paula. Uh, you know, well, you know, 60 million people are not even paying income tax anyway. Those are the numbers that uh, we hear. <laughs> yeah. But you know that we're not even the United States government anymore. In 1933, we claimed bankruptcy. The the monetary fund controls us. We're only in name only. I've heard that, but it doesn't really seem to matter. They still lock up people that break their little laws. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, you just should have heard the new executive order that just came down. What's, What's that? Because of what's going on over there in Lebanon and Syria, the president is declaring an emergency. He wants to bring martial law so bad, it's unreal. Here in this country because of what's going on in Syria? Yeah, hmm. in Lebanon. Not a surprise. He's been working towards it, Paula. Thank you for the call. Hour number okay. two is on the way. That much is the case. He's been putting all the pieces in place for martial law in America, the Military Commissions Act, the Defense Authorization Act, destroying habeas corpus giving the military the ability to police the streets. It's scary stuff. Hour 2 is coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch into hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. Might jump into the mailbox here in a moment with a prison-related email for you, Mark. But first, let's talk about... A sex offender. Somebody who's on one of those lists. You know, every fifth, uh, every one of the 50 states has them. The sex offender registries, where if you are guilty of a so-called sex offense, your name goes into this searchable registry, and you can go and type in your zip code or type in your address on some Internet website and find out who on your street or who in your neighborhood is a so-called sex offender. And it's sold to the population. It's sold to the public with the idea of, well, it'll help keep your kids safe. Keep it, yeah, right. Who, who would, who more would you want to keep your kids safe from than sex offenders? I mean, they're crawling all over the place. They're, uh, they're raping uh, women and children. We've got to watch out for these guys. Which, of course, isn't really true. It doesn't help keep your kids safe unless you want to lock them in your house at all times. Um, especially, doesn't keep them safe from the people who have offended sexually but haven't been arrested for it. The ones that haven't been caught, who are apparently in- the good sex offenders. Well, the ones that are more effective, I suppose, yes. And so, no, it doesn't keep your kids safe, but what it does effectively do is out a bunch of people for maybe some mistakes they made in their past and prevent them from living them down, prevent them from uh, moving on in their lives. And in, in many cases, it has gone so far as to have been absolutely tragic in that some so-called sex offenders have been targeted for murder by some vigilantes out there. Right, and and that has happened. And in some cases... Um, people are called sex offenders for not being sex offenders. Like peeing in public. Right. They Absolutely. You can go relieve yourself behind a tree someplace and sla- get slapped with a uh, sex offense. For some reason, and, I don't really equate that to child molestation. I, not the same to me, and but it seems they're like, treated the same. It, 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 it seems like um, all the sex offenders I've ever met have always uh, claimed that this is sort of their story, that they, you know, they were 16, 17, 18, and they were um, you know, having relations with a 15-year-old girl or whatever. But this story is about a guy who's claiming that, and likely the reporter who wrote it checked it out. I mean, you'd hate to be the reporter who uh, wrote this story and you didn't check it out. So sure. I, I would think I would think that they checked this out. It says sex offenders says neighbors' actions constitute harassment. Um, this is from the FDLreporter.com. One neighbor's call to action has another um, has another neighbor charging that he's being harassed. Convicted sex offender Mike Allen um, said that he. Silently stood by for the year he was um, lived on Macy Street, as his uh, next door neighbors harassed him and made references to the fact that he is a convicted sex offender, including instances when they called him a rapist and a pedophile. Oh my! Court records show that Allen was convicted in 1998 of second-degree sexual assault for of a child for receiving oral sex from a 15-year-old girl. Sorry, that doesn't qualify as a rape, nor does that qualify as being a pedophile. The records show that uh, Alan was 16 at the time. You know, this could have happened to me. Did they um, convict the girl, too? No, no, absolutely not. Huh. Um, it occurred in 1997. Did he have um, a gun to her head? Uh, n- no guns were mentioned. No? no. Huh. In a victim statement included um, with court documents, the 15-year-old girl said that it was her idea. She uh, well, also... That sounds like she raped him, then. Perhaps. I mean, I mean if he's he was under be 18, of, right? Right. If he's going to be guilty of rape, then why shouldn't she be guilty of rape? Or she, assault. She also wrote that she didn't think it was Alan's fault or that he should get in any trouble at all. 
on July if the 10, state didn't care about what she thought, huh? Yeah. On July 10, Allen said his neighbors took the harassment to a level at which he um, couldn't quietly stand by anymore. Now, this this guy apparently just took it, which is admirable. What else is he going to do? Well, I suppose he could. You, I mean, you know, that kind of ridicule could make a man go crazy. He doesn't want to go back to jail. He can't do anything to them. You can put you can back a guy into a corner um, to the to the point that his level of desperation just it, you it reaches beyond where, where he's able to handle it. Good, I mean, he's an amazing guy for being able to put up with it as long as he did. Yep. So um, that day, Allen said he learned that copies of his sex offender information had been posted around uh, the neighborhood. This is typical. This happens frequently. Right away, Allen said, and and apparently they don't take the whole story. They just you know just of the course. just the charge. No, they just want to let you know that there's a sex offender living in the neighborhood. It doesn't behoove them to tell the story. They probably don't even know what the details are. Right away, Alan said he knew his neighbors, um, and they list them off here, um, were responsible for the postings. Not knowing what his rights were, Alan said he called the sex offender registry and asked some questions. Alan said he was told by sex offender registry officials that an offender's record in the Wisconsin Sex Offender Registry website is public information, but only public officials are allowed to post signs and make community notifi- notifications about sex offenders. Hmm. Alan said that he also... Um, told that in order to remove the signs from the businesses where they were posted, he'd have to go into the business and ask for permission to oh, take man. the sign down. An added embarrassment since he'd have to explain the business owners his situation and that he was, in fact, a sex offender. Sure. After peeling down the signs, Allen headed to the uh, neighborhood police department to file a complaint. The next day, police questioned Schultz about, um, that's the neighbor, the neighbor, about the postings, and she admitted she'd put the signs up. Busy body. The Useless. Fonda Luke. Police um, wrote about wrote out harassment citations for his neighbors, indicating in the police report that their conduct served no useful purpose. The report also said that Allen was following the rules of the sex offender registry system and not breaking any laws. It appeared to be the intent of the suspects to uh, force him to move from the area, said police. Schultz said that he was disgusted and upset when he um, she learned that her neighbor was a sex offender. She posted the signs to let the community know about him. I figured people had a right to know. I'd like to ask her when the first time her sec- first sexual encounter was. The thing is, is she didn't look into it. And here's the here's the biggest problem. The problem isn't as far as I'm concerned that somebody took um, that somebody went about posting up signs that there's a sex offender in the neighborhood. My problem with it is is that this guy was designated as a sex offender at all. Absolutely. If well, I have a problem we, with the sex offender registry. Period. I understand, but if we managed to, um, if we didn't just charge people willy nilly, if if in fact it was only sen- instances where people were hurt that we charged people with sex crimes, mm-hmm. like then, rape or child molestation, right? Th- then you would know what you're dealing with. And as far as I'm concerned, there needs to be, uh, you know, a time limit, a, a year uh, cushion, as it were. As far as I'm concerned, it's okay if you have sex with an eight year old. What? If what? you're nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Well, that makes perfectly good sense. I don't. I'm, I'm not saying that that should happen, but should it be a crime? No. Should anybody should. go to jail? No. Should the nine-year-old be branded as a sex offender because he or she happens to be older than the eight-year-old? No. no none of that stuff makes any sense. Now, if you're talking eight and eighteen, yes, that's a problem. I get it. Sure. If you're talking about uh, fourteen and thirty-four. I can see a problem, although there likely have been some famous people in history that got married at those ages. Um, but, you know, t- the, the the problem here with a 15 and 16-year-old, where the 15-year-old girl wrote in court, um, you know, entered in court documents that she didn't think there was any problem. Who here? brought the charges? The state brought the charges, Of course obviously. they did. Did she just um, s- spill the beans to her mom and mom went to the state? 
Um, I I don't know. That's they, usually they don't what to, happens. Even though she didn't originally know the details of Alan's uh, uh, sex offender charges, she said that even a six, as a 16-year-old, he should have known better and not had consensual contact with a 15-year-old. Oh, what a load of crap. Yeah, so that's it. That is the biggest, uh, most, that's the most, one of the most absurd things I've heard so far uh, tonight. Well, um, Schultz called her uh, harassment charges bogus. Um, so what's going to happen here uh, to these people? I mean, are they going to have anything done about these harassment charges? What's I mean, is this like a misdemeanor, or do you have any idea about harassment charges? I, I can't imagine it's a felony. Uh, uh, no, harassment it's charges. A, it's a citation, I'm sure. Right. So great. So they're going to pay a couple hundred bucks to the state, and yeah, this guy's had his name spe- uh, smeared all over the neighborhood. That's what's so funny about these instances is, um, you know, you get a fine. These people get a fine, but it doesn't do anything for this guy that they harassed. Right. They should be they should have to go around the neighborhood and knock on every single door and apologize for uh, for what they did. And have to pull down all their signs and, and get them out signs. of those businesses. Right. Just a sad story. Yeah, it's it's just crazy stuff. He should have known better. He was 16 years old. He was more mature than she was. He That's ludicrous. Know. And, and talk to any and, man who's, who's ever been talk 16. Talk to any woman. Don't they always tell us that, women, that girls uh, mature uh, more quickly sure than boys? Sure they do. So apparently um, she, she had a leg up on him. I mean, mm-hmm. if she if she was perhaps more mature, maybe she was the, has the mind of a seventeen year old, and, and apparently it was her idea. I don't see the problem here. Well, now the problem is, as you said, with the sex offender registries. Not just that they uh, not just that they mix in people who urinate in public or have consensual sex with rapists and child molesters. That's problem number one. Problem number two is the sex offender registry itself, because it is the tip of a very dangerous, very tyrannical iceberg. Uh, a very privacy-invading uh, situation in this country where we're now seeing more registries come out. It's not just sex offenders now. There's a uh, New York State drug dealer registry on the way. Tennessee's already doing it. We'll give you the details coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where we have live streams, a broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version. Two sizes will fit virtually any Internet connection, and they're both for free at freetalklive.com. Do you know if your hard-earned wealth is at risk? If you have a business, there's a one-in-three chance you'll be named in a lawsuit in the next year. And that lawsuit could destroy your business and leave you penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering what you've earned. Go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. That's KeepYourAssets.net. We're talking about, we were talking about uh, sex offenders, and we'll get back into it. Um, not necessarily about the sex offenders, but the new types of registries that they're coming out with. Now, they're moving, they're moving beyond sex offenders and moving into the world of drug dealers. We'll talk about that, but first, to the phones and to the fun, let's talk with Justin in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live, Justin. Hello, Hi. Justin. Hey there. Uh, yeah, you know, it seems to me that this whole chipping kids thing with the uh, RFID, is very. they're selling it very similar to how they sold... ADD to the public, how they sold the dangerous, mind-altering drugs that they used on kids to the public. How so? Well, it's similar kind of selling. Protect your kids. Um, you know, it's similar, like your kids have a serious problem, like ADD, learning disorders. You know, well, how, remember, does, how does having a serious problem have anything to do with our, um, chipping a child? Well, well, I look at it this way, okay? They sold ADD in a similar way to scare parents into doing something. 
Right. I, see, I see that you can um, scare a parent in the same way that you would chip sure. a pet so that you can find them more easily. That would be a much a better analogy to say that they're selling it in the same way they're uh, chipping pets because you don't want to lose your pet. Since, uh, similarly, you don't well, want to lose your kid and that sort of thing. Maybe I was wrong about that, but the one thing, uh, one thing else I want to talk about is the fact that I'm a member of the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Okay. Never and, heard of it. Um, I'm, a, I'm an activist and not against the drugging of children, what they're doing in public schools is very harsh. I agree with that. They, uh, if your kid acts out in class, they recommend to the parents that they drug up the kid, and they possibly, uh, they, they sort of threaten the parents almost. They suggest that they will uh, drop the kid from the curriculum, they'll drop the kid out uh, from, the, from the school, which of course that scares parents because they want their kids to go to school. And they don't, right, they don't want to have to pay for a private school or, right. you know, private school. And so they sort of use leverage on these parents, and it's, it's not good because in, in many cases the kids that are acting out in class are the more intelligent. Uh, they're just bored to tears by the by the system and thank you for the call we really appreciate hearing from you the kids in these in many of these cases are very very sharp they just they're not challenged by the government school curriculum this sort of dumbed down one size fits all government school curriculum and so they act out in class and as a result they're targeted for for drugging and i share his concerns on that one and in regards to the rfid chips we just got a, a new kitty Got a new kitty cat from the Humane Society. Yes, Radish. And Ra- no, his name's Ravage. Ravage. Well, he doesn't look like a Ravage to me. He's he, red. He hasn't tried to bite you yet. Well, he actually tried to bite me twice. Okay then. Uh, but but they offer this RFID chipping service. In fact, not only do they offer it, but it's mandatory when you get your animal from the Humane Society. At least around here, you have to get them chipped. And I think it's a great idea when it comes to your animals. Because it's valuable. You know, you lose your cat, you lose your dog, they turn up at a shelter, they get scanned with the RFID scanner, and instantly they know who you are, they know where, you know, they know how to contact you to tell you to come get your dog. The funny thing is, is I've taken uh, Senior Grouchy Pants, my uh, 22-pound white hot ball of feline fury, to the vet many times, and they've never offered me this chip Really? I've never even considered doing it. Um, He used to be an outdoor cat. He's disappeared for a couple of days, and, and it really bothers me when he does. But um, now he's indoors because the last time he went out, he managed to get himself bitten by maybe, something large. Maybe the vet people just uh, that you were dealing with just aren't good salespeople. You know, they didn't think take the opportunity to ask you about that. I don't. Because it's a great product to sell to people. You know, you you lose your cat, you lose your dog. You, if they get if they turn up in a safe place, they'll get scanned and they'll know how to get in touch with you. That's valuable. That's mm-hmm. a valuable service and a valuable product. When it comes to your kids, man. That's tough because you don't want to lose your kids and all that, but at the same time, many, they can it, also identify themselves if they're up to a certain age. Right. Kids don't generally come up missing. Um, certainly far fewer kids come up missing than, than pets do. Right. And, you know, I mean, kids can identify themselves. They can. Uh, people are going to work much harder to get them back to you, that kind of thing. Um, I don't think there's a big problem with uh, just kids just wandering away. Yeah, I, the I, biggest I, problem with uh, losing kids is your ex stealing them. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that I would ever go through something like that. I would never want to put a, uh, a young person in that situation where they would have to grow up and they'd have this chip installed in them. Maybe you could convince me to get around it by having some sort of chip that expires after like five years or something like that. Maybe you could... Maybe Biodegradable you could, chip. But right. to, how can you... Um, how would you know? That how they, would you know they're telling the truth? Right. I suppose if you Underwriters were, Laboratories certification? Yeah, if, if, if other people had it and it had been around for a while... Right. That way you could protect your that way you could protect your kid from you know age zero to five or something like that and then after that you know there was no chance that the government's going to turn the technology against you or something. Let's continue with the phone calls. Talk to Rob in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Rob. Hello, Rob. How's it going? Great. What's on your mind? Um. Well, I wanted to call in and 
uh, tell everybody that the Minneapolis bridge had collapsed. Oh my goodness, is this uh, breaking news? Yeah, yeah, it's breaking news. I'm looking at it on the on television right now. But sure is. Yep, bridge collapses over the Mississippi. Wow. Yeah, but just the sheer size of it. I mean, it really doesn't look like it could have been an accident. I mean, there are so many big parts on the land on both sides, and then the whole bridge itself collapsed. And you know, just looking at the wreckage, it looks like parts of it had been clean cut. And you know, as they said on the were people hurt? Um, oh yeah. Um. Yeah, it says like 20 people hurt um, so far, but... Um, well, if it is yeah, a terrorist act, um, it doesn't sound like a very effective one if you only killed two people. Well, I guess it was rush hour traffic. Of course, I if guess those two like people are special, too. Cars, that's what they said. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know how old... We're, we're just gathering information on this, obviously. I don't know how old the bridge is, but we've certainly seen plenty of government construction projects going bad. You've got the story from, I think it was either earlier this year or last year, the Big Dig in Boston, which, of course, has been going on for 15 years, where they've been trying to rework some of the roads there in Boston. Uh, there yeah. was panels, this, these huge concrete ceiling tile panels that just fell off randomly and, and crushed a woman to death. So when it comes to government construction projects, beware. I mean, you've got to cross the bridges to get to where you need to go, but, man, I feel sorry for these people. Exactly. Thanks exactly. for bringing that up, yeah, Rob. Any thoughts? Any other thoughts? Um, I, I don't know because it, it looked like it was actually a government uh, like thing going on, the, the construction project. Was uh, was going on on the bridge? So oh, they were working on it. There was construction the going on on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So they could have. So I, I can't were... imagine for a second the uh, the government would have done it on purpose. It, it, of course I mean, not. It sounds ludicrous, but it does. Um, it it could be quite possible that they just messed something up. Absolutely, and we've seen plenty of cases of that. Thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Do you remember? Uh, it was probably happened before you were born, but in uh, Tampa Bay, the uh, Skyway Bridge was struck by a boat and um, early one morning. And, yeah, and, I've heard about that. And it was, you know, this is a huge bridge uh, collapsed, and uh, I think twenty something people died. And the it, bridge collapsed. Wow. The the, 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 the boat, a huge barge type yeah. freighter thing hit. Oh it. yeah, that's some serious momentum there. It, it was foggy and clunk. Oof. Apparently, the guy, uh, the pilot, got in all kinds of trouble. Well, in that case, then it's not really uh, the government's fault. No, they, 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 you build the bridge if something runs Every into it. Every once in a you while, um, you know, there's there's going to be these sorts of things happen. Well, where we were, where we moved from in Sarasota, Florida, they were building a new bridge there, and just the the construction screw ups and the boondoggles were just incredible. They, you know, they didn't put the concrete in correctly, and the rebar wasn't in right, and it was just was kind of scary as it was being built. And we'll see if uh, any more details come out on this bridge collapse. Of course, take your calls about what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Prison email coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site. We give them away, so enjoy those on us, and those features include the bulletin board system. we got over 250,000 posts for you to surf around through serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all free. 
at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Yeah, we just uh, had a call from one of our listeners announcing some breaking news that I-35 West's bridge in the uh, over the Mississippi w- uh, River in Minneapolis has collapsed. Uh, according to WCCO, all four lanes of the Interstate 35 Mississippi River Bridge near University Avenue collapsed into the river and onto business uh, businesses underneath the highway. Whew, can you imagine that? No. I mean, talk about it being shocking enough to be on the bridge as it's collapsing. Imagine just being at work underneath the bridge. And Gosh. having uh, concrete slam through the ceiling of your workplace. Yeah, you would never... Um, the bridge was there all the time, and you'd right. never you'd even never think, think about, about it. it. There it is, just raining concrete on you. Huge concrete blocks falling from the sky. Uh, as we speak, this just happened uh, just after we started the show at uh, about 7 o'clock Eastern Time. There are multiple cars in the river and a couple cars on fire. According to one witness, there was a school bus full of children on the bridge at the time. Gosh. Cars are still on the bridge. Uh, we're looking at 20 to 30 injuries, two people dead. Tons of concrete has collapsed. Survivors are being carried up the riverbank. A tractor trailer is on fire. Uh, one person who was on the bridge at the time said, I thought it was just construction going on. It was a free fall all the way to the ground. Uh, thank God I was wearing my seatbelt. The only thing I hit was the steering wheel. Gosh, can you imagine falling from a, a bridge suspended well above the Mississippi River and the only damage you really receive is from the steering wheel? I would imagine that if one of these big chunks fell, it would probably fall relatively straight you know, straight down, so, yeah. and then it would displace a lot of water, so it would take a little while for it to sink. You know, it would mm-hmm. it would slow on impact, and then you'd have the opportunity to, to get yourself out. According to the same witness, it was bumper-to-bumper traffic at the time the bridge collapsed. Some cars are still precariously perched on the bridge. Sections of the bridge are mangled, pointing up in the air, and some in the river. Uh, they are saying that the I-beams do appear to have been sheared off. Not sure what that means. Not sure. Uh, they, they Apparently, they're saying they don't think it was terrorism-related, but it's it's certainly a, a little bit too early to be sure about it. Yeah, sounds like very that. scary. Babinaw uh, said he was heading northbound when he heard a huge rumbling and saw a huge cloud of white dust as the bridge collapsed. He had his seatbelt on and said if he hadn't, he would have gone through the windshield. He said, "My truck got completely torn in half." Who was on the bridge when it, he was on the bridge at the time? The bridge mm. started shaking and it went down fast. Said a school bus full of children was ahead of him. He got on the bus and helped the children, who he estimated to be eight Good to man. twelve years old, off the bud, uh, off the bus, and off the bridge. Witness Marilyn Franzen saw See, the bridge just, collapse. It just shows me what great people. Uh, people in general, Regular but, folk. but Americans are. Yeah. Look, this guy ran onto a bus as a bridge was collapsing um, all around him, and he went and saved other people's kids that he'd never met. Sure. Incredible. Uh, you know, I, it, it just shows me what a, what good people we have and, and how little we really need these rescue folks. It's this guy that saved these kids, not some fireman. God it's bless just, the volunteer firefighters out there. Sure. But It's just horrific, said one witness who saw the bridge collapse. She said she saw the school bus that managed to stop before going over the edge of the bridge that she said was carrying 20 to 30 children. Cars are crushed and mangled under the bridge. Uh, also, street signs street signs apparently managed to crush cars. People are being sent to the medical center. The bridge was opened in 1967. A maintenance project began about nine months ago, repairing potholes and other concrete on the bridge. So they were just doing surface work on the bridge. There wasn't actually any structural uh, workings going on at that time time. So what caused this to happen? Was it simply the weight of the cars during rush hour causing an old bridge, a you know, 40-year-old bridge to collapse? Is that even possible? 
It's amazing. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Let's go to Eric in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live, Eric. Ian, you know, are you suggesting that George Bush did, did, did Minneapolis Bridge? I'm not suggesting anything. Our last <laughs> caller kidding. maybe was making some allegations. Maybe. But Who knows? We don't know. That's a heck of a story to follow, but uh, I have to make one little correction. You guys aren't actually the number one podcast or political podcast on the Internet. It's just on Podcast Alley. That's well, correct. Hold on. I, I think that I can make an argument on that. Um, mm-hmm. we, we are number one according to Podcast Awards two we, years in a row. Right. We, we have received the uh, number one political podcast from Podcast Awards, the only, the only organization that gives an award. Um, two years running now. We are uh-huh. the number one on Podcast Alley. We are number two on um, Dig. Dig. But mm-hmm. where, is Penn and, um, where is Penn & Teller? To a, a show that doesn't exist anymore. Um, we come up in the top ten on a regular basis of all, of all podcasts on uh, iTunes. Tell me a... Uh, that's not political. true. I don't think that's true. Uh, on a regular basis, on we iTunes? do. On iTunes on a regular ba- basis, we do. The numbers are there. Okay, I'll I'll disagree with Mark on that last one. But yeah, uh, tell me tell me a political but... podcast that can uh, claim better numbers though. Yeah, uh, probably like Meet the Press or Democracy Now. Uh, what is Democracy the Now was in the contest last we year, beat them. Uh, and we beat them handily. Really, that's quite impressive. Yeah, we beat yeah, them. Talking and about we... Podcast Alley because you know that's just one. That's not Podcast Alley. That's we're talking about podcastawards.com. Yeah, 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 I didn't it's... realize that was separate. I have yes, their. It's totally separate. I have their. Um, you know, I'm, I, I see. I'm looking right now at their uh, at their trophy that we took from uh, Democracy Now, Barack Obama and George Bush's podcast. Superb. I'm happy to hear it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, secondly, I'd like to establish a hard and fast rule, and of course, you guys get to decide on this. But I suggest that policemen who violate rights in the line of duty no longer be called policemen on your show, but rather pigs. Oh. Because they don't deserve the title of policeman anymore. It's it's inflammatory, and I wonder whether you're going to get people on um, your side. Some I have certainly come up and said it sometimes. There's there's definitely people out there that deserve the term. But if you just pop off um, with the term uh, and, and don't really explain why it is that you're saying it, it can get people upset, and then they don't listen to you. I don't think the police are bad, but I mean, if it's proven or if it seems pretty evident that they've violated someone's rights, if they've you know busted into someone's house and supposedly broken their hand on the glass somehow, I think they might deserve the title, and I think it's appropriate to use it. Well, I sympathize with both of you. I, I do on this one, and thank you for the I call, think, Eric. Appreciate I, I appreciate the attempt trying to bring us down there, but uh, I, 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 t- I absolutely understand it. I mean, you know, if if some guy um, is using the badge to commit. Crimes, especially crimes against the people um, that he, you know, has power over. You know, it's one thing if he gets some drugs out of the uh, the, the little policeman's vault there and, and sells them on, um, to some friends of his. That's something, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of understandable. People work around these things; they're gonna they're gonna dip their hands in. Um, but when you're talking about just being mean to the public who pays his uh, his his paycheck, well, I can understand why he uh, would would get that title. You know, going back to his first topic, uh, trying to sort of denigrate our show in regards to uh, where we're number one, that sort of thing. Well, he was just being clear. Uh, and I'll be even more clear. We're not the most popular podcast in the world. Nowhere even close. Not the most listened to. Uh, no way. Um, the, the tech podcasts, the This Week in Tech, mm-hmm. the, uh, let's see, a lot of the comedy podcasts are far more popular than, than Free Talk Live. But in the realm of uh, of politics... We are clearly the uh, the standout show, right? We did no say, we do say political, and he was you know he was referencing democracy now, which of course is interesting because we're not political in the same way that other uh, shows are political, which is why we're probably the number mm-hmm. one political show. People don't know really what to categorize Free Talk Live as, uh, and this is kind of an interesting discussion we've sort of had with Johnson off the air and on the bulletin board uh, system recently, and that is that in the radio industry, 
Talkers Magazine in the top 250, in the Talkers Top 250, we've been named by Talkers. This is something else we can bring up to you, Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Talkers Magazine, we are one of the top 250 talk shows in America. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing, considering we've only been at this, you know, syndicated for th- for going on three years now. Now, interestingly, Talkers Magazine does not rate any of the NPR shows in this particular top 250 of theirs. That's something that they... That's correct. That, that they name themselves, um, and they do it on the commercial side. Talkers Magazine services commercial talk shows, not NPR, not government, um, you know, funded, uh, right. you know, force-funded radio but Talkers Magazine categorizes Free Talk Live as a hot talk show. And I don't know if we really fit that category. Uh, I mean, we started on a hot talk radio station, and for those that don't know what a hot talk format is, is typically when you hear hot talk, you're hearing like a uh, Howard Stern or a Bubba the Love Sponge or somebody, you know, Opie and Anthony. Boobs. Uh, one of those shows. <laughs> yeah, boobs and naked people and you know, pop culture. A lot, a lot of Spears. laughing. Britney Spears, that sort of thing, sort of the morning zoo style shows. Those would qualify as hot talk shows. But at the same time, we're not political talk in the same way that uh, Rush Limbaugh or Al Franken we don't do drop political names. talk. We don't drop names. We don't talk about the Republicans and Democrats. And it's just not the same thing. More on the way. How do you categorize Free Talk Live? This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site, we give them away. And that includes the Shrine of Female listeners. The dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to Shrine.Freetalklive.com. That is Shrine.Freetalklive.com. And if all goes as planned, we should have ourselves a brand new Shriner by the end of the week. Really? Yes. I'm bogarting it for a few days. Yeah, that's that's your little system. All right. Anyway, uh, well, it's because it takes me a little bit of effort to actually get them up on the website. As God knows we wouldn't want you to expend any effort. So, shrine.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones, to the fun amplifier line, and puke in New Hampshire. Hey, puke. Good evening, guys. What's on your mind? Um, you were talking about this bridge collapse thing that just happened, and yeah, that's rather fascinating. Um, I have some a little theory about how you're you're talking about how the the I beams uh, sheared in two, mm-hmm. and uh, from the photos I was uh, looking at on the um, news websites, it looks like uh, this hat. You know, uh, bridges have those expansion and contraction points for hot and cold weather, mm-hmm. yeah. and this is being in Minneapolis. Uh, possibly the uh, the rain got in between there over the years and rusted away some beams or something, and it just finally collapsed. It could be. Uh, somebody uh, gave me a little bit of a clue. According to KSTP, there is a 2006 Department of Transportation report indicating weakness at the joints of the steel that held the concrete deck ab- uh, above the river. So apparently there was some weakness that had been reported. Didn't sound like they did anything about it. So they may have simply neglected that problem and uh, and put everyone at risk as a result. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is um, you know the, the government uh, inspectors that are in charge of this inspecting uh, probably didn't do a very good job and just fluffed it off kind of sure. like the Katrina uh, New Orleans levees right right and just like in Katrina no one will be held responsible yep it'll and I'm sure they'll probably try and bring up the whole terrorism aspect as much as possible well they're already you know, we've got to be in fear uh, they're already sort of pu- putting that down they're not suggesting so, at all that it was uh, that it was terror it's probably government incompetence that's more that likely what's going on so I just want to comment on that. And I also got a question. You were talking about hot talks. Uh, something that's always 
been on my mind when it comes to these morning zoo programs is how do they um like uh determine how to hire the uh the silly women that they have on these shows that just laugh at everything that the male host <laughs> talks about or the callers call in uh, well it, it's not necessarily women that uh not that are every the time but they track it's, Listen it's to a Bob system, and Tom. it's a system that works um he is um indicating that that they definitely there are uh, there's a formula. It's the sidekick's for getting... job to laugh. Whether right. the sidekick is a woman or a man, uh, yeah. they they laugh. Yes. I right. Mean, I, I guess I just noticed the women sidekicks more because it's it's really annoying. I mean, it seems kind of demeaning to me that you just have this woman off on the side, and every now and then she just giggles. <laughs> well, and, a sidekick's know, job really is to be me. demeaned. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, that's really what it's all about. We we uh, worked at a station, Ian and I, where. Uh, you know, they had this one guy they called Monkey Boy, and they would just treat him horribly, do terrible things to the guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just to, to you know, have I somebody don't know. laugh at. To answer your question, I don't know how they determine who gets to work where. It it may just simply be they were around, they were there at the right time, or I don't know how these often, shows get put together. Often people will get hired simply by being very interactive with the show. These radio rats will uh, sort of get um, hired as the sidekick, um, to be made fun of and go out and do things. And it's essentially how Todd, who did this show, um, became a co-host. When I was I fired the first time, um, there was an, an open seat, and he was just the, the most available guy to be on the show, so he ended up there. Yeah, but nobody was getting paid with our show, so it's so, not like there was any hiring decision. Th- there was a hiring decision in that you allowed him to be on the air, right, he well, was still hired. On, it was based on convenience, so maybe that's a major factor when it comes to I would business. think it would. I, would be. So. I, just, I just find that style of show to be very um, unentertaining and annoying. I guess it's just not my thing. I like to I like to listen to somebody talk about something meaningful. Thank you, Puke. I'm glad you appreciate that because I feel the same way as you do. And thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. They're they're really interchangeable to me. Hot talk shows tend to be very, very similar. The personalities, you know, it's all very just kind of juvenile humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they always have the days of the week that... Different things have to happen on certain days of the week, like no today's Wednesday, or, no, or a big breast flash your drive, uh, like Tom Likas does, flash your driver Fridays or something like that, or flashing Fridays. Do your Tom Likas voice. I, I don't know if I have a Tom Likas. Do I have a Tom Likas? Well, I just sort of have the puke voice. Yeah, I well, mean, that's the same Tom thing. Tom Likas was a puker. He's one of the worst I've ever heard. It's what, you got to do the radio voice for the... I don't know how they do it. I don't even know how I do it, but I can do it. It's you somehow constrict cord. your vocal yeah, I just, cords, and I, yeah. I don't know why um, that became I don't know. You've got to make that noise a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, hot talk. Are we a hot talk show? Not by the typical hot talk definitions. Do we sound hot talk in comparison to your typical droning, monolithic, sort of uh, monotone, single host political show? Yeah, absolutely. We're far more fast-paced. Uh, there's two people on this show. But we also don't cover the same topics that those guys do. Most of the political shows are a bunch of wannabe Rush Limbaugh's, people that, whether they're female or male, uh, they want to edge in on Rush Limbaugh's share of the talk radio business, and they figure they're going to do it best by being like Rush, except I'll call myself a libertarian, you know, or something like that, right? Or I'm the female version of Rush Limbaugh when it comes to Laura Ingram. Or I'm Rush Limbaugh's little brother when it comes to Sean Hannity. Right. Um, or I'm the Democrat version of Rush Limbaugh when it comes to anybody on Air America. Of course, or the, I'm Rush Limbaugh who's bigoted, like uh, you know Michael, Michael Savage. Savage. Right. <laughs> it's you know they're working with something that that's managed to work. Um, there's a built-in audience. There's yeah. somebody. The Rush Limbaugh people have to listen to something when Rush Limbaugh's not on the air. Um, you. 
essentially when you become a uh, talk radio listener, that's what you want to listen to. I don't like listening to music radio. When I'm in the um, car with my wife, she gets irritated listening to talk radio and doesn't like doing it, so we have to listen to music radio. And, um, you know, I can... I can sing along with the soft AC, but it doesn't really do anything. Do you have a, Do you have rules when it comes to in-car radio control? Is it the driver that's in control of the radio in your car, or is it just she's in control at all times because she's the wife? The rule is um, that we can listen to talk until uh, she becomes irritated, at which point we have to listen to music. Julia cannot stand the static on the AM band. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, it's like a knife in her ears, as she describes it. She uh, It just... Static doesn't work. If if, if the level of static rises above a, a certain very, very soft point, mm-hmm. she gets very irritated by it. And I say, you know, Julia, you're just spoiled. You were raised on FM radio and CDs, and, you know, you don't, you don't appreciate, uh, you don't appreciate static. Because when it comes to the world of talk radio, the rule is, the axiom is that if you've got compelling talk content, people will turn up the staticky AM station in order to try to hear you better. Right, but on, a mu- but on music FM, they'll just switch stations. Sure, because who wants to hear static in Well, you can music? find that same content anywhere. Right, there's you three other stations a, with that on. You can find another rocker, you can find another soft AC, sure. you can find another country station. So, I, I don't really like being called hot talk, and I don't really like being called political. I feel like we're somewhere in between or somewhere else entirely. I sort of feel like Free Talk Live bridges the gap, you know, between the different uh, formats. And some people will say, well, Free Talk Live, you guys need to have more hot talk topics. Or Free Talk Live, you're not political enough, or whatever. You know, I, I really could care less what every individual thinks of the mix of topics that we do on this show. I do what interests me, and you call in with what, what you want to talk about. And so, of course, you can always direct a show. Um, whichever way you want. But. You know, and I've got to say that that's how it's done. That's what Rush Limbaugh says. He says he only does a show that interests him. We we right. saw him speak at the uh, Radio Records Talk Radio Seminar. Yeah, it was a couple or years ago, yeah. And I totally believe him. I mean, he is the program director of that show. No one can argue that he has done a great job. Um, I've been sitting here in the co-pilot seat, essentially, um, watching you, and I've disagreed with some programming choices you've made in the past. I feel like you have largely made um, the right decisions, and so now I don't even question the things that you uh, decide that you're going to bring up, and not. Uh, almost never. Uh, the most recent one that I did was interviews at Porkfest and Liberty Forum, that kind of thing. But I generally don't tell you how to do your job because you've shown me, your biggest critic, that you can do a good job at it. Well, and that's not really where I wanted to go with this. I'm I know, trying but to think I, of, like, what do you call Free Talk Live? Is Free Talk Live a political talk? Because I don't want politics to exist. I want it to disappear. We talk about issues. I, we talk I about issues. Issues or I, a when panel people show. People ask me, I call it uh, Open Lines, Current Events, Issue-Oriented Talk. Open lines, current events, issue-oriented talk. The, the industry's going to need something shorter. You've got hot talk, you've got politi- news talk, yeah. you've got now the new female talk, which is sort of, uh, that's sort of condescending, I think. For, I, I um, do, too. Yeah, I don't necessarily think they should be doing that. Uh, not that they shouldn't be doing uh, female-hosted shows, but I don't like how the industry's labeling it as female talk. Right. Um, we had a, uh, we worked for a guy at um, an AM that uh, I suggested uh, we sort of run this anti-rush, anti-news talk sort of format where we would have mostly, um, you know, like women. Like shows like yeah, Dr. Joy. And- Dr. Joy Brown, Dr. Dr. Laura Schlesinger, and then do some uh, other female um, talk show hosts. And he called it, oh, I don't want to be called Dyke Radio. I mean, it's just... <laughs> well, he was drunk, Mark. <laughs> well, 
every day. It could, could very well have been. It, yes. The, there was the Gator Club two doors down, and he would come back from the Gator Club three sheets to the wind after 2 o'clock in the afternoon every single day. 800-259-9231. Whatever you want to call it, we call it Free Talk Live. Hour three's on the way. You take control. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we launch into hour number three of the program. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the website, totally free. So enjoy those on us. Let's roll right into the phone calls. We've got Tim in California listening on KSCO. Hello, Tim. Hello. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, I want to talk about Michael Vick. Yes, sir. Uh, what do you think about the pit bulls, like, attacking each other? Well, um, dogfighting, we've addressed this recently. Thank you for the call, Tim. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, in regards to the pit bulls, in regards to dogfighting, I think it's awful. I mean, who could possibly think that's a good thing? Well, um, I think that dogs, especially dogs that are bred to fight, are likely to do that if you give them the opportunity. It's just kind of sick to put them in a ring and, and cheer them on. But, you know, it's... There's a long history of animal fighting in, in this world. Um, a lot of cultures think that cockfighting's fine. I'm kind of interested in seeing a bullfight if I ever went to Spain or Mexico, if they still do such things. Um, I would likely go see that. But, um, you know... I don't think I would go see a bullfight. I think it's sick. Okay. Uh, I think what I do think is funny though is the running of the bulls in Spain, where a bunch <laughs> right. of idiots get uh, get in the streets and then they run away from bulls and get they inevitably get gored and some of them die. Yes, uh, that I find amusing because then the people are getting what they deserve in that case. And I'm no I'm no animal rights activist or anything, but I think it's awful to bring pain unnecessarily to an animal. I mean, if you're if you're slaughtering beasts in order to put them in the supermarket, I think that's one thing. But if you're just putting them in a ring to fight it out with each other, I think that's kind of sick, personally. That's just where I draw my line. And I don't think that there should be any, uh, any official lines drawn here. I don't, because then you enter into a, a, a territory where, well, who gets to draw the lines? And on what basis are they drawing them? If dogfighting should be illegal and cockfighting should be illegal, then should butchering animals for, uh, you know, for, for eating purposes be illegal. Uh, that's when you have to start asking those questions, and I don't think those questions should be asked. I don't think the government should be involved here when it comes to the Michael Vick sh- uh, situation. If indeed it's true what he did, he should be ostracized for it, and that's where it should end. 800-259-9231. And forms of ostracization in that case could uh, could come in the form of being fired from the NFL, uh, could come in the form of not being able to get jobs very easily after that, having people uh, socially ostracize him, not letting their kids play with his kids, that sort of thing. So 800-259-9231. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Rob on the amplifier line. Hello, Rob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. What's on your mind? Well, uh wanted to talk about, uh, you guys were saying that Free Talk Live is categorized by Talkers Magazine apparently as hot talk and by the Bears Podcasting Awards as political talk and there's been, uh, I guess, some discussion on the BBS as to what you guys are and what the mix is and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, that Free Talk Live is really something somewhat unique 
Um, it does not fall cleanly into any of those categories. No, it doesn't. Um, in fact, I would say that of all the sorts of radio programs that I've listened to, the closest thing to Free Talk Live is actually religious programming because you guys are the only people who consistently discuss moral issues and come down on one particular side of a moral <laughs> issue. <laughs> you know, only you would come up with that, Rob. That's very insightful. So that's what I'd say. Start taking the donations and hand out the prayer rags and stuff. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, I actually had a story about Scientology to talk about this hour if we get to it. So we will be discussing religion as well. Any other thoughts, Rob? No, that's all I have to say. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate it. Let's continue. Uh, another call from Georgia. It is Sean in Atlanta. Sean, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sean in Atlanta. Hello? Hi there. Hey, speaking of dogs, I think I did your mom. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Looks like the awful crackers are at it again tonight. Yeah, well, what do you Come on, get a life, get a get a get some tact, get some uh some some technique when it comes to cranks. You guys suck. We can tell in advance who you are and what you're doing. We used to give you a shot anyway, but anyway. You know, the, the um the opportunity when it comes to a crank call to do a really great joke is there. I mean, you you have anything that can happen. As soon as we say, hello, Free Talk Live, you can do anything. And the best you can come up with is, your mom. Your mom. <laughs> I had dinner last night. <laughs> You're so awesome. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, what was that, like seventh grade? That was like a seventh grade level kind of joke, right? If that. All right, 800-259-9231. Let's go to your email box, Mark. We mentioned that you had something about prison, a prison-related email. And when Mark gets on his prison stories, it's always a good time. Well, um... Steve writes in and says, uh, you spent nine years in prison and came out the other end a productive and law-abiding citizen, at least so he assumes. I understand that you were a productive and law-abiding citizen before and during prison as well, but the fact that prison did not, in fact, turn you into a hardened criminal is evidence against a particular view of the prison system that many hold. Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear you someday address this on the show, the issue of what prison does to people? Clearly, it doesn't necessarily destroy the futures of every inmate. It did not yours. Are you just an exception to the rule, or is the rule wrong to begin with? It's an excellent question. Um, first off, I went to a uh, place called a youthful offender prison. Do not get this uh, confused with a juvenile prison. Youthful offenders are... Basically, from Young adults. 14 to 24, they've been adjudicated as adults by the uh, Florida prison system. And this is just basically to keep them away from other inmates. They have to be first-time offenders, um, and they have to be under the age of 24. Got it. You can stay there a little longer, but... They uh, transferred you out after you hit 24? Uh, actually, I think a 25 or 26. Okay. Finally got transferred out. But I, couldn't, I wouldn't have gone in under 24, and likely not under 22. Um, into the youthful offender prison. That's it. basically you go in at a lower age. So um, I worked closely with a, a guy named uh, Wally Hillier, great dude. Um, he's probably dead now. He was in his late seventies, in his early seventies when I knew him, and um, he had handled the pre-release sort of classes. You know what what they the classes they got gave convicts when they were being released. And he said he tracked his guys and. As far as youthful offenders went, it was about 50-50. Whether or not they would uh, return or not. And I think a lot of, certainly first-time offenders, a lot of them learn their lesson, never go out and commit another felony again. Um, They they don't want to go back to prison. Prison stunk. um, They they learn that crime doesn't pay or whatever it is that they manage to Mm -hmm. learn. Some of them find Jesus. Whatever whatever it takes, they they don't go back. The other 50% of first-time offenders do. 
And then they would pound this statistic in our head, um, that 85% of inmates um, are recidivants. I don't believe that number. I believe that 85% of, you know, uh, people that have committed more than one crime are recidivants. Um, that it's un- that once you get into the the system, of, you just start roll. You know, you start going in the system over and over again. You're likely to return. Um, within- well, there are certain reasons why um, recidivism may be more likely mm-hmm. outside of the prison system, and that is because you've sort of you're carrying around this ball and chain of I'm a felon and, uh, and I've been most convicted. Of them, most of them are on probation uh, or per- you know not parole in Florida, but they're on probation or parole, which means that they have to be better then your average citizen has to be. They have to follow more rules. And the other system is sort of, um, the other problem with is that you take these bad people, you put them in a bad place, and you treat them badly, consistently, and then as soon as they're let out, they're expected to be good. Sure. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Hard to get a job, too, when, you, when you've got that over your head. Basically. I would say that um, you know, the first easiest thing that we could do with most prison systems is break up the offenders. Sex offenders should not be in with um, murderers and armed robbers and that kind of thing, the violent people. Sex offenders don't tend to last very long. I, I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily well, true. Well, the child molesters. I don't long. think that, that that's that even true either. Hmm. I think there should be sex offender prisons for sex offenders, and they should get their little sex offender classes. They, that way, it can be best dealt with in um, groups. Mm-hmm. Violent people should get their own prison. Nonviolent thieves should get their own prison. And um, then, you know, a special place for DUI manslaughter guys. Um, these people should be separated so that they don't learn from each other. I absolutely positively sat there one day as um, some guys planned a bank robbery by running up some steps showing how that you you know how you scare people how you make noise to you know put them down that kind of thing. I watched it happen. Wow. I watched one guy who was a bank robber show a bunch of other guys you know a few other guys how to, how rob, to do bank how to rob a bank. I was working in the automotive class. A car thief sat there and showed twenty people. Here, this is how you hotwire a car. Um, I, you know, I mean, drug dealers would show each other how d- they would mix things up. Sure. You know, interesting. You don't want these guys cross learning things. So, so basically, this kind of was random as far as 50 50 chances as to whether or not you reoffended. Right. You got lucky. Oh, well, I didn't get lucky. I, I learned from my lesson. I, I realized I didn't want to do that, and I, um, you know, didn't want to hurt people. 800 259 Speaking of prisoners, we'll talk drug dealers coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features for free. We've got archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website. Easily downloadable and totally free at FreeTalkLive.com. And as the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to D2Z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's D2Z.org. According to the Star Gazette, the New York State Senate voted uh, very recently to approve legislation sponsored by some senator to enact the Drug Dealer Registration Act. The act requires parole drug dealers to register in the community, much like how convicted sex offenders register with police and affected community residents. Schools and businesses are notified of their presence. Winner has called the dealer registration, that's uh, the guy that wrote the legislation, a valuable tool for upstate rural communities that are being infiltrated by urban drug dealers moving in in search of new markets. 
A drug dealer registry is one way for our cities, is one way for our cities, towns, and villages to hang out a no trespassing sign to would-be drug dealers. Winner said in a press release, "That's not a no trespassing sign. It might be a deterrent to buying there, um, you know, or, or renting there or whatever. But I don't think that that's going to keep any real drug dealer from from doing anything. I mean, if if it if it's a concern for him, then he'll just buy just outside of that city if he wants to be in there. Well, this is going to be a statewide thing." So I don't. It's not gonna. It, if you are in the register, you'll be required to register wherever you are. Well, it's it's still ludicrous because it, because people who want lots of people do drugs in the United States. Right. I mean, essentially, this is a, a drug. Uh, you know, a, a, so like a phone book for it's, drug it's dealers. It's a phone book for people who want to, want to do drugs. Yeah, that's that's sort of the unintended consequence of this law. Is now these are former drug dealers supposedly. These are people that have already been to jail. But of course, as we were just talking about, the recidivism rate is fairly high when it comes to people getting out of jail. So there is a good chance that a drug dealer is going to back to go back to his old ways. Once he gets out of jail, because he, that's what he knows. That's what he knows, and there's 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 good money in it. It's a, there's a good chance, certainly, that he could do such a thing. But at the same time, there's a good chance that he won't. There's a, a significantly good chance that a guy will not reoffend. And shouldn't we allow those guys the opportunity to get out of prison, do their probation or whatever they've got left, and then I, I can understand putting somebody on some kind of list or whatever when they're on probation, maybe. But um, once they're done, they should be free to go. Go make a better life for yourself. I did it. Well, according to this senator, drug dealers threaten the quality, safety, and well-being of many communities. This proposed registry would give our local police officers and residents a strong tool to fight back against the illegal drug trafficking in their neighborhoods. Well, drug dealers don't threaten the safety and well-being of uh, communities. In fact, drug dealers provide a, a very necessary and desired service. Uh, there are people out there that want to buy drugs, and inevitably they have to get it from somebody. Now, that's I'm not to say I'm not saying that all drug dealers are good guys, but the ones that I've met haven't been too terrible. Uh, the ones that I've met, uh, they they're just out there trying to make some money and you know put their kids through college, that sort of thing. Well, and, I've met plenty of uh, you know cold-hearted killers that are drug dealers too. Sure. Um, I'm not you know it doesn't attract the uh, most savory sorts, but the reason of for that is because it's illegal, not because it's right. a bad occupation. But here we are once again. I with mean, alcohol used to attract the most unsavory sorts back when it was illegal. Well, here you are once again pointing out that there's a variety of different types of drug dealers out there. They're the ones that are doing it just to make a little bit of extra cash, maybe just selling to some a handful of friends. There are the high-level drug dealers that are serious business people. There are the violent sort of gangster-style drug dealers as well. And here's the government lumping them all in together as though they're all of the same ilk, as mm -hmm. though they're all a bunch of violent thugs. And that is, sorry, just not the case. But, of course, it's just I just found this interesting because it ties into what we were talking about earlier in the show with the sex offender registries because we predicted this when we were first talking about these sex offender registries a couple of years ago that they may start expanding into other areas and they uh, Tennessee's already done this so this is an original this is they're copying Tennessee and what's next are we going to have bank robbery registries well, are we going to have assault and battery registries what they're going to do domestic is, violence registries you know, the, the United States has the largest amount of incarcerated people in the um, industrial world and I would venture right. to say any nation on the planet it's probably true I can't see why it wouldn't be yeah. um, you know how in the world could a uh, unindustrialized nation manage to afford to incarcerate? I just think they can't the get the statistics from those guys. I would that's say that's all. true too. Um, so we've got more people in prison in, than any nation in the world. 
So we probably have had more people in prison in our nation than any nation in the world. Totally. At some point or another, we're just going to flood the Internet with so much information that the information itself won't be useful. We're going to make a registry for every crime out, th- out there uh, on which I will be on the mm-hmm. murderer registration list. Now, I haven't signed any piece of paper, as did a many, old, many sex offenders. Never signed any piece of paper saying that I um, you know, accept this plea and I will be on a list somewhere. Or I haven't been, you know, they didn't get sentenced right, to this crime to this particular punishment and what about the fact that you didn't do it what about that factor well um you know i can always i can always reopen my case and uh, go back and and fight that well it would be it would be ludicrous to do but um the fact is i wasn't wasn't sentenced to that and that's what's wrong it's a punishment and i wasn't sentenced it's after the fact so uh, you're going to compile this list then they're going to put the whole list together on one big website um, each of the list, little lists on one big website, one centralized site, which is going to list a good portion of the town. Yeah. So 50% of your street. It, then it's useless. Then it just doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. Every ethnic person in the whole town is listed on it. Oh, but a Mark, large portion of the... Uh, it's the, not useless. They got to hire a few bureaucrats to do their jobs. Quite a few, I'm sure. Yeah. 800-259-9231. You know, you mentioned the Internet. And uh, speaking of uselessness, there's one man that thinks that it is a useless Thing, but before you go on with that, internet, uh, I yes. wanted to make one more point on the uh, the the sex offender registry uh, nonsense. Is if the government would have done what the good idea was here, the good idea is there's predator, there are predators out there that are likely to target your loved ones um, or, and your and or your children. If they would have put those people on a site and left it at that. There wouldn't be any uproar. There but wouldn't you can't be any, ask the government to do that. that you, you can't ask the government, the, a government to do anything competently. Right. Well, they, and you can't ask them to just stop at a certain point because they always keep going. They, they always have to uh, expand and they become more intrusive and more expensive than ever. You know, if if I think I don't think government ever should have gotten involved. These are all public records as far as who is in jail and for how long and what they were sentenced for and all that. If this is really such an important project. Some group of busybodies should have gotten together and raised some money from some other busybodies and gone and created their own damn website tracking these people. If it's really that important and really that useful that we have these websites out there with all this information on them, sure. it let could some be a private organization do it. It could be a subscription-based. Aren't your kids worth one ninety-nine a month, a month yeah. um, to be a member of this site? Isn't it worth it to you to protect your children instead of just letting the busybodies who who have nothing to do all day and would never spend the the two dollars to be a member of this site, um, you know, unless instead of having them around, it you know, it makes perfectly good sense that this would be free market driven and it wouldn't have the the added uh, you know detriment of false alarming people. You don't need to know a guy that was peeing on a golf course um, who got a, <laughs> got a uh, sex offense for it. You don't need to know some guy who uh, you know got serviced by when he was 16 by some 15-year-old right. girl. You don't need to know that information. Nope. That just hurts people. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. On the way, there is a certain pop singer who would like the internet to be closed down. Now, it's not very likely to happen, but his comments are interesting. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want toll-free. 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got all kinds of features, and we give them all away. The wiki's there. Over 1,375 pages created by listeners just like you. Head to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. wiki.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. We're talking, I think it was either earlier this week or last week, about, you know, the two different kinds of old people as far as technology is concerned. There's the type that is really open-minded and really into things that are changing and wrapping their mind around the Internet and and getting online and communicating with people. And the the Internet is uh, quickly becoming the most popular hobby amongst old people. So there are a lot of them that are like that. Sure. Then there are the people that are like Elton John. I don't know that you can just put them in two different categories. I think that the people, um, old pe- people, young and old, span the spectrum as to whether or not they are from Luddite to Internet guru. And people fall anywhere in between. So the, the, there are two types of old people. That's not fair. Well, I've only met two types of old people. They're the ones that, are the, that, have, that love technology and are into it, and then they're the ones that can't figure out how to press the record button on their VCR. Elton John falls into the latter category. According to The Sun in the United Kingdom, pop legend Elton John, Sir Elton John, wants the internet shut down. Never wanted to keep his opinions to himself. The rocket man has waded into cyberspace with all guns blazing. He claims, and you're going to love some of these claims, he claims the internet is destroying good music, saying, quote, The internet has stopped people from going out and being with each other, creating stuff. And that has to do with music how? We could spend, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with music, that quote, but we could spend uh, several minutes on that alone if necessary. Anybody who knows anything about the internet knows that that's just not the case. While there are going to be some people that, you know, shut themselves in their basement and play unending hours of World of Warcraft or EverQuest or whatever other online games that are Mm -hmm. out there, there are also those like, for instance, the individuals uh, involved in the Ron Paul campaign that have utilized the internet to find like-minded individuals and physically get together with them in real life. Look at meetup.com, a great website that is dedicated uh, to getting people of like mind, getting people with similar interests together in real life. People who otherwise would have had to have uh, relied on random chance in order to find one another. You know, the internet's great even when you're talking about EverQuest. These people create friendships, albeit um, you know, disassociated friendships to some extent, with people all over the world playing their their game. I've never played ever crack, but um, you know, I hear that it's it's rather addictive. But tell me the difference between doing that and doing uh, crossword puzzles. I don't think there's any difference right. at all. There are people They're out very there solitary in 1985 things. and now um, that did nothing but sit around and 
do crossword puzzles. Well, there is a difference between World of Warcraft and crossword puzzles. They are solitary. However, in World of Warcraft, you can communicate with others. Right. You there's, know? An, there's an interaction you going can get, on. You can type to them, or you, you can get uh, you know these TeamSpeak programs where you can put on a, head, a headset and mm-hmm. actually speak to the people in the game. So one could argue that online gaming is more social. Than, it absolutely uh, is. Now, maybe, maybe, you've got, maybe you're associating with people that are all over and via technology, which isn't as far as I'm concerned, quite as healthy as going out with friends and associating on that level. But I think that there's room for it in somebody's life without it being unhealthy. Right. So anybody that knows anything about the Internet knows he's totally full of it. He has no idea what he's talking about. But nonetheless, that won't stop us from reading some of his other quotes. He says, Instead, they sit at home and make their own records, which is sometimes okay, but it doesn't bode well for long-term artistic vision. What? The Internet has allowed anybody who has ever had an inclination to do music to get their music out to an international audience. doesn't mean they're going to be bestsellers. It doesn't mean they're going to get rich off of it. But the Internet has expanded our selection of music. The Internet, I mean, go to MySpace. There's 20 bands that will send you uh, friend requests every single day. I mean, it's annoying as hell. I'm not interested in them. But for people that are interested in finding new music, there's plenty to be found on the Internet. He says, it's just a means to an end. We're talking about things that are going to change the world and change the way people listen to music, and there's not much going to happen with people blogging on the Internet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Blogs have totally changed the Yes, they the absolutely world. have changed. They've changed uh, news. All kind, it, They've made news. Blogs have, have initiated news. Blogs have broken news before the traditional news media has ever even gotten a handle on it. The, blog of, uh, the blogosphere is an amazing thing. The blogosphere has had, it had an effect on the 2004 presidential campaign, and it's going to have an even more um, incredible effect on the 2008 presidential campaign. Uh, let's continue. He says, I mean, get out there. Communicate. Well, duh, Elton, that's what the Internet's all about. He says, hopefully the next movement in music will tear down the Internet. Let's get out in the streets and march and protest instead of sitting at home and blogging. I do think it would be an incredible experiment to shut down the whole Internet for five years and see what sort of art is produced over that span. We've already had the Internet shut down for five years. We called it the 80s. And look (laughs) what it produced. It produced crocodile rock. Okay? There's too much technology available, he says. (laughs) I'm I'm sure, as far as music goes, it would be much more interesting than it is today. Multi-millionaire Elton, who turned 60 earlier this year, has admitted that in the past, he is a bit behind the times. Uh, The Grammy Award winner is once quoted as saying, I'm the biggest technophobe of all time. Well, why don't you wear it like a badge, you doddering old fool? (laughs) 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. He says he's a Luddite when it comes to making music. All he can do is write for the piano, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I just wanted to give you an example of some of the idiocy coming out of the mouths of some of the Luddites uh, in, in the world. It's just sad. These people have no idea what it is that the Internet uh, is all about. They don't understand the power of uh, the, the interconnectivity that the Internet allows, the transfer of interma- information that has and is revolutionizing the way we live our lives. Right. It is incredible. They, what they see is they see a person sitting alone in a room, which is sort of the reality of it. Yeah. But um, what they don't see is that person's connected in many ways to people all over the world. If it weren't for the Internet, Free Talk Live would not be here today. No. Let's go to the phones and to the fun to Petoskey, Michigan, listening on WJML. It's Elmer. Hey, Elmer. Gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind? 
Um, the uh, sexual predator thing. Yes, yes, sir. You know, it's it's kind of a broad area, and you know, I look at you know, it's there's a kind of a couple things. When I look at a situation of coercion, mm-hmm. are you familiar with coercion? Yes, coercion. Of that's people where you're forced forcing to do people to do things. Yes. Well, you know, and the thing is, oh, while it's it's a forced thing. But there's no physical contact, though. What are you referring to? Well, fourth degree. Fourth degree what? I'm sorry, I'm a little CSC. in the dark. What? CSC. CSC. No criminal sexual conduct. Oh, I, know, I what mean, is that? I'm not a I'm not a criminologist, so what does that mean? Oh, okay. Well, fourth degree criminal sexual conduct is where you verbally, you know, try to entice somebody to do something. I see. Is that is that considered a sex offense? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, then it's, yes, it is. It's not a very good sex offense. So it's criminal well, sexual. No, I, I look at this. Way, I look at this way, gentlemen. Is you know any sexual offense is bad. But then again, when you look at a person that is of age, and they are, they agree to be, you know, to do something with you, and then they cry wolf. Yeah. You know, it's sad when I look at our judicial system today. Our judicial system will not believe. I'm, I'm trying to be sexist or nothing, but when it takes a girl that is consensual age mm. and a man that is above age, how often does the judicial system agree that when something is consensual? Well, it, it you know, when, when a woman cries rape, is that what you're talking about? Yes, yeah, it's it's a bad situation for yep. the guy to be in. That's absolutely true. Um, sometimes it works out for them. Sometimes it doesn't. And either way, it's costly and dangerous. And that's the reason I believe that um, people should have to bring charges, not the government. Not the state. Thanks for the call, Elmer. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Even in these remaining moments, just enough time for your call. If you make it now, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. You want to help support the show? Then you should consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Join the ranks of hundreds of our listeners who've decided that they appreciate the fact that we give away all our website features for free. They like the show. They want to help support us. They want to help us get us on more radio stations across the country. And so, therefore, they've sent in three bucks a month to help with that process. Because we take that money in, we turn it around into advertising. We buy ads in Talkers Magazine, and we do outreach to stations uh, across the country. We've got a station in uh, another another Michigan station that's looking at coming on board with us for weeknights, which I'm I'm pretty excited about. But I can't say anything more, or I might jinx it. So all of that is happening because of amplifiers. And you can become one of them by going to amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks like access to the amp-only phone lines, as well as the amp-only chat room and, and uh, the amp only forum and there's details at amp.freetalklive.com speaking of the amp only phone lines let's go to matt in illinois you're on free talk live matt hi guys good evening hey what's on your mind uh, i was wondering what you guys thought of the theory that the mainstream media and the government have kind of combined to try to mm, take over or tax the internet and they're trying to, sh- to more or less shut it down by using uh, internet two and uh uh, making making it so that uh, slower or so that uh, certain sites would be slower and load slower, stuff like that that was happening. 
I don't see that the uh, the mainstream media is really on board with the the whole Internet 2 thing. Um, I mean, I've heard some stories about it, and uh, certainly there's always you know mouthpieces for the government out there that will say it's just great because the government's going to be in charge of this one. But I don't see that as largely being the case. I do think that the media is um, has abdicated its responsibility to hold the government responsible for things. I mean that the media is supposed to be supposed to be asking questions of the government, um, hard questions. I think that largely they don't do that. They just take whatever the government says at face value. You know, I've heard some of the things about this internet too as well, and I don't know how legitimate it is. What I know, and I'm not a te- I'm not a Total tech geek. I've got some tech knowledge. Uh, I'd certainly be considered more of a tech geek than you, Mark. No doubt about that. Absolutely. But uh, but what I do know is that the internet is run by tech geeks, and that in the world of tech geeks, liberty is a fairly po- is a fairly popular uh, mindset. And so I can't see the Electronic Frontier Foundation or any of these other internet freedom related organizations just throwing in the towel and letting the government take total control of the internet and which government sure yeah so i don't really see it happening i find it hard to believe that that would that would ever be able to occur without some severe backlash i mean look at the internet that we have today there are all kinds of neat privacy options out there for those that that want to pursue them there are ways to completely you know be private about your web surfing and be private about the the stuff that you download and you know cover your tracks and all that sort of thing uh so to suggest that the government's going to be able to make the internet completely transparent I'm really skeptical of that. Maybe they can, and we'll certainly know more as time goes on. But, Matt, any other thoughts? No, I just uh, was interested in hearing you guys' opinion of it. Um, myself, personally, I think that they might try, but oh, I don't sure. think they're going to succeed, and that I could see the people in power actually wanting to to get rid of, uh, get rid of this uh, great tool that we have and, uh, you know, keep our – thinking in line with what they want us to think, just like they've taken over the schools. Yes, of course they would want that, and Matt, thanks for the yeah, call. I concur with that. I, I absolutely believe the that internet's that's what they the would enemy. want. The Internet is their enemy. It allows people like us to organize. It allows uh, liberty-oriented people to spread their messages without having to go through the gatekeepers of the old media, and that's incredibly threatening to their power structures, but... The thing that's going in our favor is the fact that we can move a lot faster than they are. We can move at the speed of light. Our information travels far faster than their bureaucracy rumbles. And uh, their bureaucracy is always going to be slow. It's always going to be incompetent. It's always going to be behind the ball. Right. There are people out in the government and people outside the government, authoritarians, that, uh, you know, that think we should be arrested for simply saying things against the government on the Internet. They, they would like to see that level of control sure. go, in, go into place, that even if you speak out against some things that people do, like the Iraq war or, um, you know, that, that the government does, like the Iraq war or mm-hmm. the war on drugs or whatever it is, that you should be targeted. If you speak out against the IRS, as far as they're concerned, you should be audited. The Internet is kind of like the uh, the White Rose times a billion. I'm not sure what the White Rose The White is. Rose was a pamphlet. A series of pamphlets that was published by Hans and Sophie Scholl back in the days of Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And it was very subversive, very underground. It was, you know, they had to steal the paper 
that they uh, that they were that they were using to print on from their universities that they were going to. Mm. They stole the paper. They got themselves uh, a printing press, uh, access to a printing press, and they were able to very surreptitiously print out these underground pamphlets and and distribute them. And I think they were caught after six. I'm not sure about that, but they managed to get a number of them out there, and then they were finally caught and they were executed for it. And that was a, a radical thing back then. They were dissenters of the highest order, the most, some of the most brave people of, of regular folk in Nazi Germany to step out of line like that, uh, to step away from the, uh, the ranks of the quiet German people that were just sort of watching as all this tyranny was, uh, was happening amidst their noses. And they had the courage to stand, out and, uh, stand, out, stand up and speak out. Though I guess they weren't really standing up. They were doing it behind the scenes. But once they were caught, they did stand for their beliefs. They did not cower. They did not plea out or anything like that. And I think the Internet's like what they did. It allows us to spread messages of freedom and, uh, you know, pro-freedom messages. Obviously, we can do it. We don't have to even do it anonymously. Luckily, we live in America where it's a little free speech is more tolerated. But but I I just sort of I, I equate the two concepts. You know, those were people that were doing amazing things with the technology they had back then and the technology we have today is so much more powerful and so much more effective, able to be experienced and, and read by people all over the world, not just the people that, that you know, at the university that happened to pick up a pamphlet uh, from off of the ground. And it's just amazing that that sort of level of communication ability, the government doesn't know what to do about it. They, they can't even begin, they can't figure out how to tax the Internet. They can't figure out how to regulate the Internet they can take a website down here and there. You know, they can go after the web host and threaten that web host and have him pull a website down. But that won't stop somebody. That'll just make that person move their website to a server in, you know, Borneo or some other place. Some place where he can't be um, controlled. Out of the reach of the FBI. So the government, it doesn't know how to handle the Internet. It is, you know, the technology grows so fast and changes so quickly. The government's probably still writing laws the, you know, crafting potential laws for Internet things that were happening seven years ago. And it just, it's too slow and stupid. They Absolutely. will lose eventually. You know, I mean, the, the, the big thing as far as, uh, you know, government uh, civilian communication recently was the no-call list as far as telemarketers go. I mm-hmm. mean, they're still worrying about telemarketers. Not to say that telemarketers aren't annoying. Absolutely they are. Right. But that, they're working in telephones. You know, thanks. They'll to, probably uh, get some fax laws here on the books shortly, Thanks, but too. no thanks to the government on that one. Uh, Johnson sent me an invitation to, to this new Grand Central program. Did he send you one of those? He did. It's pretty cool. I went and checked it out. I've signed up for it, and I'm going to start experimenting with it to see how well it works. But in a nutshell, it's a, it's another Google company. They've uh, acquired yet another company, and this company, Google, is doing such amazing things. But basically what they do is they allow you to pick a free phone number. From whatever state you need to, so I picked a New Hampshire number, obviously. You pick a number, and then you can take your existing phone number. So for me, I've got a cell phone, and I've got my office line. And you put those two numbers, uh, you can put them underneath this new number. And so what happens is, and you can you can configure this however you want, but basically the concept is you can pick up your phone and dial me on my Grand Central number. Right. And it will say to you, it will ask you, what's your name? When you pick, when you dial that number, you have to identify yourself. Spam calls, they have a spam filter list that will, that will filter out the known spammers. And anybody that's spamming is going, you know, automated recordings, they're not going to get through. Somebody's going to have to give you their name, and then you pick up your phone when it rings, and it tells you who's calling. So it's a great way to screen through callers and block calls that you don't want. You can't do that with any phone service today. You can't block calls from people that you don't want without paying through the nose. Right. 
Also, it rings both of your phones at the same time. You can have up to six lines, and it rings them at the same time. So I can have somebody call this Grand Central number, and it will, my cell phone will ring. So if I'm out and about, I'll get the call. Right. And you can uh, control which, um, which ones you want to ring just by using their little uh, you know, control panel yeah. there. You can decide, uh, I, I think I'm, I don't like having my home phone ring. I don't, right. you know, I don't, or I don't want it to, I think it has times on it. Yeah, you, you can, can say, set times. You can set that it, well, I, I don't want any phone calls after midnight or before 8 a.m. Now, it's not that detailed yet, but they're just in the beta of this service, and it already works well, and you can already get an idea for how this is really going to be effective. And it's already free, and at, it's free. Right, at cutting down unwanted phone calls, and the government doesn't have a damn thing to do with it. Let's go to Josh in Kentucky. Josh, you got uh, just a few seconds, maybe 20 of them. What's on your mind? Yeah, I just want to say to uh, Elton John, uh, from my code, dead hands. The internet, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I appreciate that, Josh. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. Um, the Internet's not going away. Yeah. There are far, far too many people right. that Elton, care about Even it. Sir Elton John can wish the Internet to go away, and it's not going to. Yes, your knighthood powers are useless against the Internet, Elton. It has been Ian here with you. And Mark. I'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.